The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you. As together, we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. Uh, my name is Kevin McDonald, and we've got a great guest for you today. He's been on the show before, and he's uh, on the show again. And his, uh, his name is uh, Ty, and Ty Glover. And uh, Ty has been with us before, and, and he's got a website, so you can follow along with us as we talk. And it's, it's called thinkdifferentnation.com. And so, Ty, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you much, Kevin. Really blessed. I'm doing very well. So thank you for having me back. Oh, you're, you're more than welcome. So let's talk about uh, Think Different Nation. Where did that come from in your, in your past, in your mind? How did that come to be? You know, it, it's, um, it kind of came from uh, an idea of the fact that we are the most adaptive species that has ever existed. And, um, you know, we're on our, our rapid course towards uh, extinction if we don't course correct. And so we need to really start looking at things from a different orientation, coming up with a better idea as to how do we navigate through this space, because we're not doing a very good job at it right now. We haven't been doing a very good job at this for a long time, and and that we still seem to have this um, this disagreement as to whether or not we are actually driving our planet into a place where we're not going to be able to survive anymore. Because some of us believe that, some of us don't believe that. Why is it? Do you think? I mean, as I'm sitting here talking to you. They're talking about another tornado, a major tornado outbreak in the south, and they just had a tornado in uh, um, New Orleans. They had a tornado in December that was a Category 4 uh, they, that killed o- almost 100 people. Um, and why, why do you think, because I know that you've thought about this quite a little bit, why do you think that some people are still denying the fact that global warming exists and we're responsible for it? You know, what did Al Gore say? Um, How do you convince someone of something when their whole existence has them dependent upon something else? Meaning that, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we don't have the ability to recognize change very easily. You know, I think I've talked about it before, the fact that we live in in four-year blocks of time as far as elections are concerned. We're born, we are raised, we live until about 65, 70 years old, and we see our parents come before us, we see our children come after us, but our total span of time that we have and literally touching visibility to is maybe about 120 years when we touch the lives of our children and touch the lives of our parents. So we don't have a real great visibility as to the possibilities that exist when you talk about elongated time. We can't see temperatures rising, we can't see the effects of climate change, should we say. You know, there's a great show that I saw on Amazon, and you can rent it. It's available for rent. I think it's actually available for free on Amazon with commercials. It's called Living in Future's Past. And it was um, narrated by uh, Todd. Is it a gentleman's name? Todd Bridges, the big Lebowski? Or what was his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, a, Todd, oh, something like that. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, right. And he narrates this beautifully. And it talks about the fact that when we were able to, uh, going back a distance in ancient times when we had our own power, and this is all we could use to operate the land, it was about, what was it, 0.75 kilowatts per hour of energy that we actually have within us. And then we were able to harness the extra animals itself, the beast of burden. And then we got a lot more horsepower coming out of the animals that we were harnessing. But it wasn't until the discovery of what they now you now could consider as being magic, the ability to be able to take fossilized items 
and burn that and magically it turns into energy that we really started kicking everything in the high gear. The big thing that people don't understand with climate change is the fact that when you take what has been captured from the sun's energy billions of years in the past or hundreds of millions of years in the past and you pull that out of the earth and then you burn that, the energy just doesn't disappear. It goes into the atmosphere. It goes into all around us. And it's what's driving the energy that you see in these storms coming across the Midwest, the South. It is what we have released into the atmosphere that's creating the energy and that's going to be out there for a long time. So the only thing we do, can do now is actually just go and prepare for what's going to come and adapt to that change. You know, Ty, it's interesting because uh, there is a whole younger generation that are used to, you know, they were born in the uh, 80s and 90s and, and beyond, and they're used to technology, they're used to their iPads, they're used to having all this stuff. I want to remind everybody that the industrial age did not start until about 120 years ago. 120 years ago, most people were still riding horseback. Most people were still pulling carts with horses and that sort of thing. And, and the automobile was really not prevalent until the, then until later on in the, in the teens or in the, in the late, late, uh, um, you know, like, uh, uh, well, Kitty Hawk was in, it was in 1903. And that was, that was the first time that we actually flew and so that is, we've only been flying for 120 years, yet we are sending out a huge amount of, of carbon dioxide and other chemicals into the, into the atmosphere in the last 120 years that never existed before. And then when people say, well, we're not responsible for global warming, it's like, but we've made such cataclysmic changes on the planet in the last 120 years. Am I right in that? Most definitely. Yeah, it, it's, um, I think you're seeing kids now, young people now, actually it seems like they're developing a better understanding of, of that scale. And it's going to be, they're the ones who are going to have to deal with it. You know, yep. Really messing it up for them. But um, my kids have already made a decision not to have children. Because you can extrapolate out where we are today. You can go out further where they're going to be in another 20 years. And it's not a good place. Um, so I agree with you. Definitely our production, we're ramping things up. Everything is so, going so much faster. It's what they call synchronicity um, or singularity, where everything is moving at such a rapid pace. And that's why everything's so stressful around us today. You, you can't really get an idea as to what's happening because by tomorrow it's going to change and you're going to have to learn something new. It's very difficult to keep up in today's environment. And the interesting thing is, is that there are more and more people that have recognized that 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 we are on an unsustain on a whole myriad of issues, an unsustainable path, either personally, stress wise, the the way the country is operating, where the the the, the um, climate's operating and stuff, and they're looking for meaningful change. They're looking to slow down a little bit, have gain better control over their life and what's going on with them. Do you find that to be the case in your work? Yeah, I, definitely. I think it's very difficult to get out of the way, though. It's very difficult to, to ramp things down, considering the fact that we're all caught in, in our credit crunches. We're all caught with the mortgages, the student loans, the obligations for our children and everything else. So, you know, when it comes time, I mean, you're seeing the great resignation that occurred recently with COVID, and now those folks are looking for jobs, you know, because you can't just drop out. Um, it's not an option. And whether that's designed to be that way, but yeah, there's a great deal of stress and, and disease um, that's taking place around us. Um, you know, so that's a challenging thing. You know, the only thing I can think of and what Think Different Nation is all about is how do we find the solutions for the problems that we're currently dealing with? Because we're capable. It's just a matter of getting a focused attention. It, we, it's it's kind of like we all have to get into the darn boat and start paddling in the same direction. And, you know, we're so fragmented right now, um, you know, politically, um, geopolitically, when you talk about what's happening in other countries and the impact. It's, I can imagine it's a very scary time for a lot of folks. Um, you know, you really don't know what move to make, especially when you calculate in what happened with, uh, I mean, think about it. 
we haven't had a pandemic since 1800s, 1819, 1818 with avian flu. And then it comes back again. And our ability to be able to process it should have been so much more, um, we should have been so much more ready for this. It's not like we didn't know it was coming, but yet we keep getting in our own way. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we're in a situation that we're in. You know, it's, 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 it's sad because you're right. Yeah, you've heard the expression, those who don't follow history are doomed to repeat it. Most definitely. We are, we are, we're in that place. And, and I, this is the first time in my memory, I know that, that there was a war and stuff in, in the Middle East recently in Syria, but we didn't have it on the, on the evening news every night. Yeah. Now we, we are seeing an actual shooting war where a lot of people are dying and we're seeing it every day. And, um, it's got to, we've got to figure out how to change that. How, how does your work help us change that? You know, I can't say that it actually focuses in on that direction outside of the fact that it, it's in totality, the change is necessary. For example, when it comes to climate change, and we can be hardening homes, we can be uh, retrofitting our homes to be able to accommodate the adjustments in the temperatures, uh, whether it's in fact adding, um, you know, it's funny that, um, when you think back to the Obama administration, I think it was Van Jones that came on board. He was the one that was going to be the czar, the environmental czar, because we recognized the huge amount of energy loss that was occurring within just homes alone and the need to retrograde these homes. If you think Philadelphia area, Northeast, the average home here was built in 1946. So most of these homes really have not had any major retrograding from the standpoint of, of accommodating it for the new and impacted climate change that's occurring. So most of our infrastructure around the country, we just haven't really been caring for. And it takes a huge leap of interest and effort to be able to go in that direction. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do it under Van Jones, but um, the need still exists. You know, you have to start taking care of your home and start requiring less energy, for example, in any of the in a home that you may have, and therefore reducing our dependence from, uh, from overseas oil. Or, you know, we should be moving in that direction anyway, but nonetheless, we have to be able to adjust and accommodate for where we are. Now, when we talk about uh, uh, thinkdifferentnation.com, one of the things that you talk about is that there's lots of great ideas and there's lots of wonderful things that we could be doing. And so there's some really bright people thinking about stuff. And that's all it ends up being. They, they think about it, but it never goes farther than that. You're working to help them with that, aren't you? Yeah. See, I think about it from, from two standpoints. I think about the fact that I've been an aspiring entrepreneur all my life. And I recognize that I've got really great ideas. The one thing I don't have, actually two things. I don't have the resources to be able to bring into fruition. And up until recently, I didn't have the interpersonal skills to be able to do what was necessary to get up there, stand and do the pitches and, the, you know, the venture capitalists and the angels and all that other stuff. I didn't have that interpersonal side to be able to connect in that level. I've got a master's in international business and I've been creating business plans as far as, as long as I could remember, but I was, it had a gap in that space. And I think about the fact that there are so many different people around this world. I get contacted from Europe all the time, um, especially with the Europeans, Eastern Bloc countries where there's not a lot there. But you may have an engineer working on a special project for this or a scientist working in another area for something else. You could literally have the, the changes, the inventions, the innovation necessary to correct many of our problems. It's just you will never see them because they will never come to fruition because that person can't get any traction with getting recognized for what they have because we're also venture capitalists and angel investor focused. We, we really think in total terms of them as if they're looking to actually benefit humanity when in fact they're looking to benefit their, their bottom line, their top line. You know, that's all. But yet we stay focused in on thinking that venture capitalists and angels are going to bring in the saviors to society. And in fact, you got a lot of those folks sitting overseas or even right here in this country that just got great ideas, but those ideas will travel with them to the cemeteries. I got to ask you because, um, there, there is a 
thought out there that if somebody, as an example, came up with a great idea on how to efficiently run a um, um, a, a regular car engine, yeah. an internal combustion engine, and they could figure out and how to uh, get 100 miles a, a gallon out of it or 200 miles a gallon out of it, that that idea would be squashed because that doesn't serve the powers that are currently in place. Is that a conspiracy theory or is there some truth to that? You know what? It seems as if, um, I can't say conspiracy, but it just seems like that is in fact the case. We know that in fact it was the case um, back in the, the 50s and 60s. I think Tucker was an example of that. You probably have seen the movie, The Car yes. Itself. Um, but there are a lot of things that, that would not be perceived as being a benefit to the powers that be to bring them to fruition. And therefore, there won't be energy put into those directions. But, you know, again, I think a lot of it is nowadays, especially if that guy has a great idea, that young lady has a great idea, it's a lot easier to bring those types of ideas to market, especially if it's a huge game changer. But again, you have to be able to get out of your own interpersonal challenges and being able to stand up in front of one, someone and deliver that speech and, and have them come and, and encourage you and, and support that idea. A lot of that nowadays is a, uh, it's pretty much a dog and pony show, you know, with regards to the pitch competitions and all that other stuff. There's selected flavors that they're looking for. And, you know, a 55 year old African American man just doesn't necessarily align with that flavor anymore. So, you know, these ideas are lost. And my whole idea, my whole goal, effort is to pitch them to, to financially support them myself once we actually are able to build up Think Different Nation because I think those ideas, if I were to go out and grab some of those ideas and work with those creators to bring those ideas to fruition, then just taking a small percentage of that, yet let alone all the other workers, the, the uh, developers and everyone else who was involved in that project, take a small percentage of the equity in that, then you've got a great idea that's being brought to market. You cut the venture capitals and the angels out of the whole deal itself. And you've got people who added value receiving the reward from it. But right now, you've got venture capitalists taking a considerable amount of money out of the, the project that you bring to fruition. And oftentimes, they're also the ones that kill that project. So there needs to be a fundamental shift away from the power structure that exists with them and bringing that power structure back to the people who are bringing the ideas to the table and the people who are actually bringing the ideas to fruition. That's at least my belief. Is it even possible to put together a group of, of um, inventors and, and kind of form an inventors union, if it, as it were, that you could gather them all of their resources and then that they were able to work together to bring a project to fruition and to get it out there and and then do another project and and have them all work together that's kind of what you're you're trying to do isn't it partially i mean you, you probably are aware of the fibers the um the guru.coms the upworks these are the sites that allow you to be able to go and take an idea take projects take whatever you're working with and request workers from offline or from online where you're paying for the work they're adding the value now I've been using those services since like 2008, and it's amazing. I still have a number of folks that I've been working with since around 2011, 12, and these guys are sweat equity users. I mean, they work with me, and they, they don't charge top dollar, which means I consider them as part of my organization. They're team members, and so even though they're working in separate companies, they're going to benefit from the reward of bringing my projects to fruition because I think it's a part of sweat equity. And anybody who puts their money, you're familiar with the, um, I used to love that one. I used to say it to my brother because he never helped me out. But the whole adage about the hen walking around and asking all the farm animals, who wants to help me bake the bread? Who wants to help me harvest the weed and all the other things? And everyone's saying no until the actual hen bakes the bread, shares it with her chicks, and everyone's sitting there waiting for some and they don't get any. Why can't we actually work together? Most of the guys, like I said, I work with from the standpoint of these contractors overseas, they, uh, their rates are affordable, so I can work with them. It allows me to be able to, to actually work with them. The second thing is that they don't mind being coming part of the organization and therefore benefiting in the back end of bringing something to fruition, especially a really big idea. 
So I find that if you can find really good ideas and you can help people to work overseas so that they can cover their bills and do the minimum of what they need to do from that standpoint, they will give you your, their heart, sweat, soul, and tears because they know that if it comes to fruition, then they're going to be benefited so much from any equity that they can get into a project. So I've got guys lined up that are interested in being involved in something like this. We, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Fiverr, and there's Upworks, and there's our others, um, and and some people are hesitant to hire people from overseas because they're so so far away, and there's cultural differences, and there's time differences. Uh, and and that sort of thing, but hey, you've so you in your experience have found those to be helpful. I've built my entire enterprise. Everything that I do, I build based on virtual workers, um, and I have good relationships with these guys. Um, some of them I consider as friends, and we've never met, we've never broken bread, um, but they accommodate the need that I have, and I accommodate their need. I mean, let's be honest, they work for a lower rate but they're still being paid a rate that they can live on and they can have a, it's a, um, what would you refer to it as being a living wage is what they're making and able to make, you know, and working from Pakistan, for example, or India, but yet getting American dollars coming over that, the power that we bring. So I've had great success with um, Fiverr, with guru.com and so forth. And again, I go back since around 2008 and using those services, they've done me very well. You do have to know how to structure the questions you're going to have, be asking. You do have to know how to functionally spec out what you want so it's perfectly clear because you can't expect them to deliver something if you're not clear with regards to the messaging of how you want it to be delivered. So that's important. And it takes some time for people to really get an understanding of that. But I think that's really the biggest piece. The ones that don't work out, I move them aside. But the ones that do work out, like I said, I've kept them for six, seven, eight years. So a virtual assistant, as an example in my case, a virtual assistant that is in, say, the Philippines, um, which I have no idea what time it is in the Philippines right now. But but that is somebody that if I structure it properly, then they could help me get social media out and to do those sorts of things and do it remotely from there. And as just as well as if somebody was sitting in my in the office next door. Most definitely. I've got someone who's doing that for me for my social media from the standpoint of uh, putting out all of, all the work that I do on social media, or at least all the work they do for me from the standpoint of communicating a brand, a message. I work collaboratively with a young lady who is in Pakistan as well on articles where I'll give her the genesis of the idea. I'll give her some key pieces to research and then she'll go and pull it together. I mean, we just don't have time to do all these things. But yet I've nurtured that relationship for about a good six years now, and therefore I have her knowing exactly what I need, what I want, what I expect, and she's very good at doing it, very good at delivering. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of that real quick. So you you go to Fiverr or Upworks or one of them, and you put in a request for a particular type of worker, and and then you they they respond – how do they get paid or how do you pay them? So there's a couple things. Like you said, there's a couple sites that I've used in the past. I can speak to two of them in particular. Guru.com is one where I think I think of that in terms of larger projects, uh, $1,000 and so forth on up. And I'll go there because I can take my project. I can post it directly into Guru.com with the requirements associated with it. And I can get a number of different offers coming in from people who are actually interested in doing the work. Um, for that particular project. So they just submit proposals. Guru or um, Fiverr is a little bit different in that it seems like they go after a lower budget or a lower target sweet spot there. But Fiverr is different also in that you go in there and you express your interest. In other words, I'm looking for a graphic designer. I'm looking for a um, someone who does multimedia. And then you'll see a number of names and you'll see their qualifications, their scored as to, as to their rating possibly. And you get to select from those guys, you can see their rates, and then you can pitch out to them, this is what I'm looking for, i.e. contact them directly, this is what I'm looking for, and you guys start the discussions. Everything is paid directly online. Um, they do like to keep communications within Fiverr, for example, but I don't even really do that because let's be honest, when you're spending $1,000 on something, 
and you need to have it done in a particular way, the things I work with, I can't communicate them via chat. We've got to have a direct conversation. So that's a qualifier for me. If we can get on the phone together or uh, on Skype together and talk, then we're good. And I can work with anybody like that. But, um, you know, it's important for you to be able to really know what you're going to be getting because some of these sites don't like you to have direct conversations with them because, of course, they worry that you're going to get off of Fiverr and then have those direct interactions and Fiverr won't make their money. Well, I understand that, but it doesn't really help me to move my ball forward if I'm being delivered products or services that are not in line with, with my expectations. Some people are really good at at uh, texting exactly the way they mean it or to write an email exactly the way they mean it. I'm an auditory person. Okay. I don't write as well as I speak, I'd like to think. And so I do, I agree with you. I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. I need to get a feel for their passion, for what they're looking to do, and are they excited about the project and, and stuff like that. Is, is that important? I think most definitely you need to have those qualifiers. You know, if I can't hear you repeat back to me what I want, then it does me no good because what's ultimately going to happen is I'm going to spend five hundred, a thousand dollars for something. I'm going to tell you what I want. I will not be able to have that direct conversation. You're going to deliver me what you thought I wanted. I'm going to have to release the money anyway because you delivered upon what I was communicating to you, even though it was wrong. Which means who wins? You know, I'm going to give you a bad review. And I'm going to lose my money and have to start this entire process over again. So I will get you on the phone or we won't actually be talking. I'll move on to the next person, which is why I kind of like Guru to a great extent. It's, it's a lot more open and free. They're, they're not necessarily trying to just keep you within the portal for fear that you won't come back when the payments start going. And that's Guru. That would be G-U-R-U? Dot com. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. I, th- I think I think I need to go there because there is some projects that I would like to do. Well, I'll give you an example. The logo that's uh, right above your head there, gotcha. that was done by a private contractor, and it, it was beautiful. They did an absolutely fabulous job of putting that together. Okay. And it, it cost a third of what I would have paid somebody in the States to do it. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, I feel challenged by that because, of course, obviously, we're moving, we're outsourcing our work, and we're concerned about the outsourcing of work, but yet we're outsourcing our work as well. It's just, um, that's the market that we exist within, so we operate within that market. Well, but we're also part of the global community. Exactly. And if we can, if we can provide uh, substance to somebody that is in a different part of the world that doesn't have very much, and we can actually support with what you're paying them. You, they can support their children, and they can get a little bit out of poverty and stuff like that and have enough food to eat. That, that worldwide, as a global citizen, which I think as we, and I'd love your opinion on this, Ty, um, as we move forward, I think that we're going to have to think in terms, a lot more terms of global rather than local. Um, and what, what are we doing for the world? And, and that all the nations are going to have to come together to think more in line with one another. So as the one world that we have, because we got no other, nowhere else to go. What's your thoughts on that? You know, it's funny that my wife is uh, Dominicana and um, I travel there and I see some of the folks that are there and you've got a lot of smart folks. They go through elementary school, middle school, high school. They graduate, they go into college. They get their degrees in, in electronics or whatever, and then there's nothing to do. There are no jobs. You can't leave the island, so you're sitting there with this skill, this education, this knowledge, and you can't get off the island to actually get work. So to that point, you know what I'm trying to, to get done there, at least in starting a program, is to why can't we get these guys not just the Dominican Republic, not just around you know the Caribbean itself, but why can't we get these people who are not part of the digital environment to be able to start now becoming uh, workers on Guru or on Fiverr, bringing these guys on board, you know, and letting them start making money outside of the country. There's only a finite amount of money that's going into the Dominican Republic, and you look at the resorts and everything; it's beautiful. But what they're thinking about with regards to their future, as far as the Dominican Republic is concerned is they're thinking about we still have land available so we can still build more beaches and therefore more hotels and 
what is that? I mean, have we recognized that you're competing now with everybody around the world because they can travel everywhere. Cuba's about ready to come online, which means you're going to be losing a significant amount of tourists, which means it's going to be a race to the bottom as you drop your, your race to try to get more people. And the workers are going to be the ones who get screwed. So why don't you start going after and tapping into dollars that exist outside of your market, such as you know the, the digital exchange and the gurus, the fibers. Get these guys set up so they can start going and becoming uh, part of the commerce directly on gurus and, and so forth, and make money that way. Bring new money into the money to the country as opposed to having to go and try to recirculate through what's already there. Well, and we also have the ability at that point to to help another country or to help people that are less fortunate that that really are. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had I used to be in the restaurant business years ago, and uh, it was a Mexican restaurant. And I don't know if you've ever been a dishwasher in a Mexican restaurant. It is the dirtiest, grossest thing you can imagine. It's got lots of lots of oil, lots of grease and stuff, and it's it's just terrible. Well, I went. I was uh, the general manager of a restaurant in Federal Way, in Federal Way, Washington, and. Uh, we had on Friday, Saturday night, we had three local high school kids that would be the dishwashers. And uh, and it wasn't we didn't have but a Friday or Saturday night go by where I would find their apron out by the dumpster. They just said, screw this. I ain't going to do this anymore. And they left because white, white or not white, but uh, a lot of in a lot of cases, American kids are privileged. And uh, so, you know, <clears throat> I. Uh, Ended up hiring a uh, a gentleman who was from Mexico. He had the pay proper papers, but he grew up in a completely different environment because the money that I was paying him, he could live on half of that and send the, the other half home and pay for his mother and his sister and his other sister to live. And so he came on board and with the two uh, high school kids and uh, he came to me after his first shift and he said, Senor, let me bring friend in. My friend, my friend, good job. He'd do good job for you and get rid of the white guys or they get rid of the kids. And so I brought in uh, another guy. And so then I had two immigrants and a, and one, one uh, high school kid. Yeah. After the next day, the guy, guy came to me and said, Senor, me and my comadre here will do the work for two rather than three, but pay us a dollar more an hour. Smart guy. <laughs> so, so I paid him. I said, you guys are on. And so I paid them um, uh, more money per hour, but it was two rather than three. And they did the work that the three kids couldn't do, and they did it perfectly well. And then even to the point of where about six months later, the same gentleman came to me and said, Senor, I'm going to Mexico for six months to see my family. And I said, but you, you know, I bet you're good. I, he said, oh, no, don't, no worry. Pedro here, and there was another guy standing there, said, I'm going to train him how to do this job. And so that there's no interruption. So I said, well, go for it. And so and that developed. So I guess my whole point here is, is that we there's a lot of immigrant labor that is looking and really working to do something better for their lives and they're willing to do things that are that our own people are not willing to do yeah. does that have you found that to be true uh, you know it's it's funny that i think about watching the coverage in the ukraine uh, i remember seeing a show about um or one episode i think last week about a boy who traveled by himself from point a location to point b did you see that coverage yeah, he tra traveled 600 miles by himself. You know, he was like a nine-year-old boy. And I think about the fact that all the immigrants that have traveled 14, 13, 1,200 miles from Brazil, from Colombia, up here, six, seven, ten years old, by themselves, and made it here. And no one talked about their story and, and how incredible that is, that you can make it here alone as a six or seven year old, um, that's, that's a sharp person. 
You know, I, I know you've got people that you're walking with and everything else, but the experiences a person would have in making that journey at that age are very specific. So no one really talked about that, but you've got so much of a population here nowadays. I find that it's funny in working with um, with different populations, different cultures. I've been traveling, you know, the world for, for many years and and so working in a lot of different places. And I recognize that when you have a country such as uh, Mexico or Dominican Republic, especially, where there's only a certain height at which you can go to. You're not going to be president. You're not going to be a corporate leader. You're not going to be even the owner of a, um, a whatever. But you're going to be able to reach it this far. And so if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, a lot of those people in those countries, a lot of the thought process in the mindset doesn't allow them to think in terms of self-actualization because they can't even get a pass making sure I got a house over my or a roof over my head and I've got food and I've got um, the opportunity to go to school, maybe. So they're not thinking about self-actualization. So when it comes to, to talking to a lot of people who are from these countries about philosophical ideas and pondering of what could be, there's no frame of reference from which they can even think in terms of that because they're thinking how much can I make per hour and will this job pay me more per hour than that job? So I think that population is there. I think it's an amazing population um, that I want to try to help and support in many different ways because it's just, I think you can capitalize on that. You can take advantage of the fact that they exist and you can support that community at the same time. So I don't know if that answered your question directly, but um, I'm just amazed by some of the folks that I see around me every day. They, they operate with such, um, of course, not everybody. I'm, I don't want to generalize, but the folks that I have worked with, Central and South America, as far as contractors are concerned, bar none, they are so professional with regards to what they do. You know, there was a joke about, I think it was a, a one guy said to the, uh, to the Mexican guy, um, we... You know, what are you doing? You're working so fast. We don't work by the house. We work by the hour. You know? <laughs> but there's that mindset. Let's get in there. Let's get it done. Generalization, but nonetheless, it exists. I, I find it to be in, it, truly interesting. And it it is not, it is, it, it doesn't stop at the borders. And, and people are people. And they can really be helpful. And the other thing that you're doing is by, by bringing, by infusing a little bit of capital into some of these countries, there is somebody that's got a great idea that can then come to you with a great idea that you can see the value in it and then to help them get their idea together and, and out there. And that's, that's why Think Different Nation exists, isn't it? You know, Think Different Nation is, it's really about recognizing the fact that we can all be creative people. You know, the, the process of creating an idea is not something that's out there in the ether. It's something that is a process. You know, if you think about the principle of vibration, everything moves. So every, most people can relate to that. They can understand it. They can't extrapolate what it really means, but they can understand that everything vibrates. Even this glass vibrates from the standpoint of the molecules of particles inside. Yep, energy is everything. If you think in terms of that motion, then you can also think of the principle of cause and effect which means for every cause there is effect. That essentially means there's a process. There is a process for everything that exists, including the way we think. And a great deal of the way we think is about our observations and catching our eye on the asymmetrical or that which is not normal to us because we're generalizing machines. And when we walk through a room, we generalize 99.9% .9 of that which we see within that room. It's that asymmetrical thing that catches that person's attention, the innovators, the ideators' attention, and that's what they really pay attention to, focusing and wondering, asking questions about it, and then moving on. But they're registering that within their mindset from the standpoint of that's how that works. So, you know, creativity is something that I think anybody can learn, just a matter of understanding the process and then starting to open your eyes to other things that are outside of what you would normally be interested in seeing. So, um, by the way, we're talking with Ty Glover. He's got the website thinkdifferentnation.com. That's thinkdifferentnation.com. Ty, if somebody wants to work with you, how do they get a hold of you? 
Best way to, would be to come directly through thinkdifferentnation.com, and there's a place where you can actually go and, and sign up for a discussion. You can set up a 30-minute or an hour-long discussion with me. It's free. And we just sit back and talk about what your hopes, what your aspirations are, where you're trying to go with your ideas. Because I think big in terms of scale and possibilities, and oftentimes people are, are stuck so far in a box that they can't even see the walls on the box, let alone what could be outside of it. And that's my space. I come in there and I look differently at things and I teach you how to start looking at it from different sides of that same question or issue. And when you can start to do that, then you can start to extrapolate out possibilities on where I can take this to or what I can do with this and how can I monetize and make more money from it. Well, a lot of times, well, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but a lot of times real creative people, they're, they're so involved in their creation they have no business sense and they have no idea how to market it how to program it doing a business plan as an example is a huge problem that most people have just putting together a business plan i'm one of those people um and so if somebody comes to you they've got a great idea you can kind of put the nuts and bolts together for them and and make it a complete picture is that am i correct in that no, because I don't want to go into that space. To be honest with you, I've done so many bloody business plans. I hate <laughs> business plans. I, I think that business plans are supposed to be amorphic, meaning changing constantly as you evolve your idea. And the problem with business plans are that I believe they're passe. They, they can't keep up with where you're trying to go because you're always having to adjust and adapt based on what you're seeing. And if you're constantly working on, there, there's too much of this, this stuff that these venture capitalists want you to produce from a dog and pony show just to be able to present it to them. Now, I understand that's the only way they can actually really get an idea of the profitability of an idea, but sit down and talk to me. You know, take the time. It's funny that when you go to most of these, these venture capitalist firms or you go to their websites, and they'll say, email me, or they'll say this or that. They don't want you to email them. <laughs> they really want introductions, and that's really the only way they're going to be connecting with people through an introduction from somewhere else. I actually remember doing a pitch competition uh, years ago and um, walked away from it. Yeah, first one, actually. Walked away from it and kind of like sweating a little bit. This guy walks over to me, and he hands me his business card, and he says, you know, a really great idea. Why only 5%? Why not 10? So I'm thinking, who's this guy? Of course, I get home and I call him. You know where that phone number went? It went to a job that he had worked at 10 years before. And the lady answered the phone and said, he doesn't work here. He hasn't worked here in 10 years. And she hung up on the phone on me. Now, why did he do that? <laughs> Was he effing with me? What's, what's the deal? You know, what did he get out of that? So I think they have the, the, these, they're on this high pedestal. And I just really don't think they add the value that they used to add because we need to be fundamentally changing the way in which we fund great ideas. So, okay, let me ask you. Right. Ty, I've got a great idea. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful idea. Nobody's ever thought of this idea. I think it's going to be big, 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 big. So I come to you. How do we work together? Well, the way we work together is I typically work with people who are trying to expand an idea. You've got an idea, but how far can you take it? Is it a local product? I don't like working with little products, local products, plastic, and so forth, because again, it's not adding value if it's a product coming out of China designed to last on your shelf for six months before it goes into landfill. So I, I really don't work with that type of a product, but if it's something that can be scaled, it's an idea that you believe can be brought to fruition, that you believe it can be brought to fruition, then I can help you to maximize where you can take that idea to. I can help you from the standpoint of understanding the scale and the scope of it, what you can do with it. How do you take it into different markets? I don't actually go through the process of working with you to implement the idea, to product design, development, and so forth. There are people downstream. I work with the ideation aspects of it, the new product developments. And I try to stay in that space there because it's what I'm really good at. Well, that's that's really cool. So I think somebody should contact you. And can they do that by, by going to ty at uh, thinkdifferentnation.com? 
I at thinkdifferentnation.com and and you'll be able to get a better understanding again of you know what world building is and how do I incorporate world building into extrapolating out possibilities that exist with where you want to possibly take that idea to. You know, that's a big part of it. Um, I always also use link neuro linguistics programming because just like with neuro linguistics programming, looking at our five senses and how do we interact with people and understand your reactions to my reactions and, and vice versa, those subtle interpretations of what happens with what I call neural creative programming, it allows you to really be able to extrapolate out where you want to go from a direction standpoint when you actually align it with world building exercises that you walk through. And NLP is a really is a really powerful form uh, that that of getting your mind straight about some stuff and and calming you down and and there are different i i, I implore people to to look into nlp can you give us a five minute uh, elevator pitch for nlp what's it what is it and what it's about well the best way to describe nlp is it's the study of how the human interacts in other words we all pretty much experience the world through our five basic senses but when it comes to me talking to kevin I will have to be able to first encode what I want to say. I have to think about what I want to say to you. I have to think about the words I want to use. I have to think about my posture, how I want to present it to you. That's encoding. I've got to communicate it to you. It's passing over. You've got to take it. And now you've got to break it down. What did he mean by this? Hopefully we're using the same language. You've got to therefore digest it to understand it before you come up with your own selected words specifically for me in my understanding, at least what you think I'm going to understand, packaging it up, encoding it again, and sending it back to me. So neuro-linguistics programming has to do with how do we interact and what can I potentially pick up from what you may be saying, what you're also not possibly saying, and vice versa, you, because when you can understand these things, and it can give you greater influence from the standpoint of further interactions as we go forward. So that's very important because, again, it has to do with how do you interact within your space. Using neuro-linguistics programming in com combination with neuro-creative programming, then that allows you to start extrapolating out further as to, well, where do you want to, how do you think about creativity and what is the process by which we follow? Because, again, you're using those same five basic senses and interacting with your environment, but in a different way now. So very similar. Yeah, and it's and it's all energy based. Exactly, so it's it's a way of um uh, helping you organize your energy in a positive way that can that can really can lower your stress, uh, raise your productivity. It can do it. It's it really is. You look into it if you haven't, or call Ty and uh, and go to his website and have him look into it. He can explain it to you and and can help you with it. Yeah, um, I definitely. Uh... I definitely level up with that one, but I also, and honestly, I also leverage um, marijuana, for example. You know, marijuana is an incredible creative, um, let's just say, icebreaker from the standpoint of ideation and taking you where you want to go. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that I also include possibly in even discussions from the standpoint of recommendations on, on the ways you can sit back, relax, leverage it, and then think specifically in certain directions because. That can be done easily as well. Well, very good. And and in some now, when, where are you calling from? Are you, is it legal in your state? It's legal in Pennsylvania. Yes, it is legal ah. for medical. So you can do medical marijuana here. Um, and you know, I, obviously, you see the tide that's going across the country as well. Oh, I'll tell you, I live in Washington State, and it, it's legal here for medical and for recreational. Right. And uh, there are some. It is, it's interesting. It is changing the economic uh, uh, platform of the state um, and everything about it with, with the, because of the tax base. And also there are businesses cropping up that in buildings that were dilapidated and were not being able to be used for anything and they've refurbished them. They put landscaping in and they're, and they're busy. They're busy all the time. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it is, I think, I think a lot more people use, use marijuana than will openly admit it. You know, I think people are becoming more comfortable with it. I think um, you've got, for example, what is it? Is it uh, DMT? You've got uh, psilocybin and marijuana. And marijuana is for the, for the creative side. It's for the mind. It helps you to extrapolate out. Uh, psilocybin is for, they say, the spirit. 
or rather for the emotion. Um, but not either way, when it comes to actually leveraging those things, marijuana is an interesting thing when it comes to ideation because a lot of folks don't necessarily know how to use it. You know, they may smoke it for relaxation and so forth, and that's their set perfect purpose, and that's good. But other folks do it recreationally, and they don't do it with the intent of ideation. And when you can start to focus in on what you want to consider, and you can stay honed in on that direction, then you'd be surprised where your mind will take you extrapolating out possibilities of any idea that you may want to present. But, you know, one thing that's funny about marijuana is that it will take you where you are inclined to go. And that's a positive and a negative, because if you've got ideas that are negative, maybe you're stressed about the war taking place in Ukraine, or maybe financial problems or a health risk or whatever, if you sit with that idea or that issue, it will take you there. And it will speed that journey and will make you very effective at thinking about those issues or about those scary things that you don't want to go into. And it can actually cause that, um, the what is it called, fight or flight response. It can cause the amygdala to fire off and therefore increasing your, your heart rate, your pulse, your, your, um, your what's it called, your uh, respiration. Whereas if you can take it and redirect your thoughts in terms of taking it where you want to go, then you can have a journey that can give you so much insight about any one thing that you may be trying to consider or think about. Well, I'll have them call you to so that you can help them figure out uh, how how much and when and the dosage and how to do it and then how to meditate through it or to to work through it so that you can learn uh, and and it can be a, a great benefit to you. It's definitely an effective tool if you use properly. So again, that is Ty at thinkdifferentnation.com. Ty, we're running out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go, sir? No, I just want to thank you again. You know, you, you've got such a um, you've got such a calming voice. You know that puts everyone in ease. So. Or to sleep, one of the two. Um, and but but no, we we we've had a discussion before. This was a far more interesting discussion for me, and uh, I thought you did you did you did a great job, Ty. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Truly. And uh, and we'll have you have you on again and talk more about this when and because we you know it's interesting we got into NLP and pot just at the very end so maybe <laughs> next time we'll start with NLP and pot and then we'll work into everything else. Always include the pot. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I'm I'm a beer drinker, but well, never mind, I won't go into that. So, but so th thank you ever so much, Ty. Go to. Um, ThinkDifferentNation.com. Yes, sir. And you will find all you need to know. You stay right where you are, sir, and I will be right back. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMMedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMMedia.pro, for more details about us and our mission which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.